Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 215. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And as always, I'm joined by Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. I've got to admit though, episode 215, we're finally launching into a pretty valuable framework and way of thinking about our lives. Maybe we should have gone into this topic a little bit sooner, Mike. We've certainly touched upon it occasionally, but do you think that we're overdue to dive into this particular model as well as this entire series? I think uh, we have touched upon this idea of purpose many, many times, but rarely have we come to a book, to an author, to a way of thinking that is this powerful, Mark. I think you're totally, totally correct there, Mike. So listeners and members, today marks the second episode within our series on Japan. Last week, we had Marie Kondo, who helped us align ourselves to organization, peace, serenity, as well as a little bit of joy in our lives through the simple act, I say simple, the structured act of cleaning and tidying your house. Today, listeners and members, we're diving into the idea and the compound of Ikigai, the Japanese secret to a long and happy life, which was brought to life very nicely by Hector Garcia, who wrote a very, very popular and international best-selling book that we're going to dive into and really focus on the practicalities within this concept of life purpose Mm. and breaking down and defining that reason for being, Mike. So in preparing for the show today, I was reflecting on how long it took in my life to finally get into some fundamental questions like, what am I good at? What can I be paid for? What does the world need? What do I love doing? And well, I'm still a student of this, uh, I'm by no means an expert, but I am so excited to go to the heart of those questions on this show today, passion, mission, vocation, and profession. Why on earth am I here? This is something that we're going to learn out loud together. We're going to work on together as we always do here on the Moonshots podcast. So if you need to create a North Star for where you're going in life, or maybe you already have one and just want to check in that you're working on it enough, well, this is a show for you. Ikigai by Hector Garcia is such a fantastic breakdown of this great way of understanding and living out the life that you're meant to live. Mark, I am so ready to get into something which is a little bit abstract, but we have such a practical and helpful show ahead. I am dying to jump in. Mm, I think you're right. Let's just revisit that word. It is somewhat abstract if you don't have that foundation and understanding as well as practical tips on how to bring it to life. So that's really the intention of today's show, Mike. So let's hear, we're going to intentionally go very, very practical here. We're going to hear from an individual who we believe brings to life the idea of Ikigai in a way that you and I, as well as our listeners and members and the entire Moonshots family can really start to put into practice this idea of Ikigai in our daily schedules and our our habits each day. And the individual that we found who did a fantastic breakdown is Saiti Arata, who's the founder of Arata Academy, which gives us very, very practical tips on finding ours today. So without further ado, let's get stuck in and let's hear from Saiti. Give us the first step as well as an introduction to five steps of Ikigai and how we need to start small. There are several techniques for you to find your purpose and these techniques vary according to the definition of purpose. However, all techniques agree on one aspect. To find your purpose, you have to turn inward. You have to have an honest conversation with yourself and have a great deal of self-awareness. Otherwise, what you think is your purpose might just be what other people think is good for you. That includes your family members, your co-workers, celebrities you follow, even advertisements that you see out there. To find your true reason for living, here are five simple steps that have a really profound impact. Number one, start small. The first step in finding your Ikigai is to get rid of a craze of grandeur that seems to hit a lot of people today. You see, we want to have a lot of money, to have a fit body, to have a successful career, to have a happy family, to have a beautiful big house, to have the car of the year, to have, 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 have. We want to have so much that we end up basically having almost nothing. Instead, 
Try starting small. Choose one area of your life that needs more attention. See that you can improve a little bit. Set aside the craze of greatness and start building your reason for living slowly, little by little, but in a constant way that gives you sense for longer life planning. Well, this is such a great opener to Ikigai. And what is, I think, most fundamental that we're starting to get into here, what we're hearing in this idea of finding purpose and and where do you begin is this beautiful, simple advice of starting small. Mm. And I think the way I'm interpreting this, Mark, is we all fall victim to getting really fired up about something that we want to do in life. We set crazy ambitious goals, but we put them on such a short timeline. Here's where I think uh, we all fall apart. Here's, here's what we're fighting against is because you set these crazy ambitious targets. Once you start, and I'm thinking like once you're a week or two or three in, you realize that you've set this massive goal wildly unrealistic on timing and that is demotivating yeah so the classic example here is weight loss a lot of people Mm. want to lose 10 kilograms 20 pounds in a month and the reality is that's insane weight loss so what happens when they get to week three mark and they've lost one pound and they've got (laughs) 19 to go they give up whereas if you say hey i want to lose weight Maybe you're just like, I'm just going to skip dessert this week. Or maybe you're like, I'm going to walk an extra block uh, in the mornings. Maybe it's even just going for a walk. Start small. This is really, really crucial because we vastly overestimate what we can do in a day and Mm -hmm. vastly underestimate what we can get done in a year. And I think that's the beauty of starting small, don't you? I, I think you're totally right. It's really speaking to the work of James Clear with Atomic Habits, of course, but we're also hearing a lot from that productivity series we've done, you know, really breaking down your big tasks. Because as we heard from Saiti, who's introducing us to Ikigai, this craze of greatness is certainly something that I ran into with, through my career. This idea of comparing yourself to others, particularly on social medias or, or LinkedIn, seeing, you know, 30 under 30, ah, oh, millionaire by the time they're 21, suddenly the timeline for success to become inverted commas great shortened, didn't it? At the rise of people becoming more successful a lot quicker. And that was quite damaging, I think, to a, to a lot of people. And from my own perspective, I think what it, it damaged was my sense of uh, confidence as well as patience. And I think that's the big call out that I'm hearing from that first clip and this idea of starting small. Have patience. Try not to boil the ocean, as they say. And instead of trying to want everything, practice a little bit of uh, restriction. You know, try not to get everything overnight. Try not to get everything for free. There's no such thing as a six minute ab. (laughs) We know you can't get rich overnight. And I think what this all ladders up to, Mike, is something that we heard at the very beginning of that clip from Saiti, which is this concept of Ikigai requiring you to turn inward. It's a journey, it's a reflection that I think we need to do that then allows us to say, right, this is where we want to be. So, and I'm, mm. I know I'm getting a bit meta, so bear with me for a second. The comparison that I would have done to others and this craze of greatness was because I didn't have my own plan in place. It was simply comparing yourself to somebody who might've been very successful at a young age and thinking, oh, I wish I was like them. Why? Mm. There was no reason. It was unfounded because I hadn't done any reflection. I hadn't put together well, my ikigai. <laughs> yeah, well, think about this, Mark. We all are on our own path. And if you study great people, some people flourish later. Some people flourish earlier. Like we all have our own unique path. And it reminds me what what you're saying. It reminds me a little bit of what Elizabeth Gil, Gilbert talks about mm. with creativity because it's going to be your work. It's your idea. Even if you 
think others have done similar uh, creative expressions and ideas, that doesn't matter because you've not told that story before. Yeah. In the same way, in the same way, when you are faced with the success of others or big dreams, like any big problem, what do we do? We break it down into as small parts. And I think the, the examples I would give here is like, if I want to be an athlete, I would start, okay, that's great. Just start walking or jogging once a week, then twice a week and three weeks and take pride. And this to me, Mark, this is the, this is where starting small can really work is if you've framed your purpose to be an athlete, just as an example, and you know, let's say you're going to run a marathon for the first time. This is a recurring theme on this show. I'm sorry. But let's say you are going to run a marathon. Uh, then today, if you're just starting on that adventure, maybe you're running just three kilometers, not 42. Do not worry. Once you said, I'm going to go and, and by the end of the year, I'm going to run a marathon, then the only thing matters is doing your three kilometers today the best that you can today. So Mark, if you run three kilometers this week, just run the three, enjoy the three. Don't worry about the fact that your future, you have a target of 42. Next week, if you ran three this week, you're going to run four next week. Hey, and Mark, what happens the following week? How much are you going to run? I think it's got to be that big old number five, hasn't it? Slow and steady. Exactly. But if you zoom out, if you just went up one kilometer every week for 42 weeks, you're actually running further than a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) My whole point here is let it compound. Let the small things compound. That's going to be a big theme of this Japan series. You remember Darren Hardy has the compound effect. Uh, There's the book, The Slight Edge. There are so many successful people talk about the compounding of doing the work every single day. So don't worry about starting small. It doesn't matter. This is exactly how I try to frame challenges. You have a massively ambitious project or a huge problem to solve, break it down into small pieces. And Mm. it's incredible. Once you know that you're going to run the 42, you're free just to run the three kilometers the best you can. And you get enormous satisfaction from running the three because you know that's part of a plan that includes running four next week and five the week after and so on. I, I think this is how we can make small things work in our lives, how we can almost shut out all of that success porn that we see Mm. because we all know these supposed overnight successes have been working on things for a long time. And many of these people are not the successes they are portraying themselves to be. So I think that just forget about that, have the plan. And once you have the plan, it takes all the stress off. I've only got to run three this week. Next Mm. week it's four. Pretty good, right? It's funny, isn't it? When you break down a a seemingly unachievable item, such as a marathon, maybe it's a huge project, maybe it's a renovation of your house, whatever it might be. The fundamental tips that we're finding, whether it's Ikigai and Hector Garcia's book, or even somebody like Stephen Covey, who breaks down the seven habits of highly effective people, the idea of this continuous improvements, building out these habits, building out these techniques to stay uh, on, on your front foot, but also more importantly, investing in the time that it takes just to make those bite-sized improvements, those little yes. cycles that get better and better each day. It's such a reminder, isn't it, Mike, that everything is achievable if you give yourself enough patience as well as enough space to determine how you're going to do it and actually, importantly, why you're going to do it, which is obviously the topic of, of guys. Well, and I think, you know, James Clear will be just giving us a big thumbs up here because atomic habits are about breaking those big goals in life down into daily repeatable habits. And here's the other thing that they shift from being very conscious activities 
into subconscious. That's just how you operate during the day. This is just the things you do during the day, stretching, journaling, cold showers, whatever it is for you to make you better. It's not like a novelty. It doesn't really require special attention. You practice it every single day until the point that it just becomes the way in which you live. And I think that's the real power of small things because then it's not some massive, huge obligation that has huge cognitive load. It's just the way you live your life. And I tell you, a great way to live your life is uh, becoming a member of the Moonshots podcast. I mean, this is going to bring you some serious icky guy, right? Yet these individuals uh, who we call out every week just never cease to amaze us with their ability to uh, be focused, be part of the team, and also to help us create something week in, week out. So without further ado, as always, please welcome, first of all, those individuals who've been with us for a little bit of time. (laughs) Bob, John, Terry, Marjolin, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan and Connor, Yasmin, Lisa, Sid and Mr. Bonjour all of whom have been with us for well over a year, Mike. But again, hot on those tails, those individuals who are working on their icky guys and being part of the team continuously are Paul and Berg, Kalman, David, Joe, Crystal, Ivo and Christian, Samuela, Kelly, Barbara and Andre, Matthew, Eric, Abby and Chris, Deborah, Lasse, Steve, Craig, Javier, Daniel, Andrew and Ravi, Yvette, LGV, Karen and Raul, PJ, Nicoara, Ola and Ingram, Dirk and Emily, Harry and Karthik, Venkata, Vimpara, Marco and Sundus, Jet, Pablo, Roger and Steph. You've all been with us week in, week out. Thank you so much for your continued support. It really makes a huge difference, not only to us as a Moonshot team, understanding our guy, but we're glad to be trying to help you understand yours every single week. Indeed. Thank you to all the guys and girls for your support, for your little contribution. The small things make a big difference for us here at the Moonshots podcast. And if you'd like to become a member, head over to moonshots.io, click on the big member button and the magic will happen. Your purpose shall be revealed. And part of that purpose revelation is already something we've mentioned, but it's time to go deep on how we might release ourselves from the expectations of others and find our true self. But you'll free yourself. The second step is to break free from old ideas that might not be aligned with what you really want from life. For example, who says you need to have that slim body, a big house, the car of the year and all those things to feel happier? Is this a real need of yours or is it something that came from outside, from colleagues, from family, from advertising so much that you have already internalized that you might think this is your idea. To find your Ikigai, try to break free from all these preconceived ideas and carefully reflect on yourself to really find what you want from life. Mike, I mean, straight away, once again, we're hearing a lot of consistency with this idea of purpose and how Mm. you've got to start by understanding what matters to you, what makes you happy. And you mentioned earlier Elizabeth Gilbert and her book, Big Magic, that idea of originality versus authenticity. I'm now Mm -hmm. starting to really see a bit of Mark Manson, the subtle art of not giving a (laughs) about (laughs) figuring out what it is that you want and intentionally not comparing yourself to others. But also, Mike, I'm hearing a little bit of green lights here with old Matthew McConaughey, a moonshot favorite who, as we might remember, turned down the continual roles that other people wanted him to take because he Mm. wanted to stay true to his ultimate goal, his ultimate ambition of being a different type of actor. And I think, you know, what we're hearing from uh, Saiti there is you've got to free yourself from those expectations as well as those comparisons that Mm. you have placed on yourself through, I suppose, conditioning, movies, and so on. and unless you can free yourself to those unconscious shackles, you're always going to reach a bit of a ceiling and yes. never be able to break through. What, what's coming to mind as you hear that second step being broken down around Ikigai? Um, you know, I, I actually think um, this was quite a big step for myself mm. just to stop 
worrying about what others think. Stop comparing myself with others and, you know, accepting, you know, who I am and my path and following my path for me. Do you know the strange thing is what comes to mind again, a bit of a running theme here mm-hmm. is a lot of great runners, they always talk about run your own race. And what happens is many young uh, novice runners get into their first competitive runs and because there's a starting gun and lots of people, they make the fatal mistake of not running their race but trying to pace off the really quick people. And then they do what we call bonking, which is uh, not what you might think it is, but it's actually when you run out of energy and you actually, a lot of people end up having to stop because they went out too hard too fast because they didn't run their race. This Mm. instantly comes to my mind as a metaphor for just releasing yourself of all the people running around you. Just run your race. Now, here's what I thought would be really fun, Mike. I want you to imagine that a friend of yours has joined us on the show and we, and they're having real problems uh, with comparing themselves to others. Oh, I'm behind. Everyone's doing better, more successful. Everyone's more beautiful. Let's work out how you and I, what would we say to them? How would we convince them just to free themselves of that constraint and those shackles? Like what are the arguments for actually releasing yourself like we're talking about for this, you know, this really, really negative energy of comparing yourself mm-hmm. so much to others. What would it, we it's say? Funny. It's funny, isn't it? Because there's so many areas I'd love to start with. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, but the, 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 the thing that really comes to my mind as we are talking around uniqueness, uh, your value that you're bringing to the world versus the opinions of others are those classic stories that you and I have, have uh, mentioned on the show before around Walt Disney, Oprah, the Beatles, uh, even Steve Jobs, all being rejected to a certain degree at the start. And instead of trying to fit into the mold, let's say, or instead of Oprah saying, okay, they told me that I'd never be on television, they're right, I'll step back. There's an element and an energy that you can, if you're um, focused enough, rewire into proactivity and become the greatest. Tom Brady, again, talking about the greatest. Hmm. What posi- What number was he picked at, Mike? He was maybe 350, I think, in yeah, the draw. Or, or you know what? Reminds me of Brock Purdy, who was playing for the San Francisco 49ers this season. He was the very last pick in the uh, draft and he ended up getting to play as quarterback for the 49ers in his first season. And under him, they had 12 wins in a row and he defeated some of the most highly paid quarterbacks in the NFL. And he was the very last pick. Mm-hmm. So, so both it, of those- it, shows, it, it shows you, right? Like, you, we've all got our own journey to go on. Yeah. But what, what I would say is if everybody is truly unique in their personality, right? And unless you're an identical twin, we all look different. Uh, we have genetic variation, right? So for me, it's almost scientifically, we are all unique, right? Mm. So therefore, the idea of comparing yourself to others at a very base DNA level is a faulty practice. Then add on that, we've all had different upbringings and contexts and challenges in our early life. Maybe our parents got divorced. Maybe we lived on some remote area. All of these things would affect us. So trying to race against everybody, to compare against anybody is faulty on so many levels. And to your point, about Tom Brady, even if you are not in first position or second position, it doesn't mean that you cannot go on to do great things. And mm. those things in the context of who you are, your upbringing, it doesn't matter how they compare with others. What matters is are they great 
for you. And I think this, this is the freedom that's on the other side of saying, you know what? I don't care if they've got a Porsche. I don't care if they've got two houses, three houses or a private jet. I'm going to do my thing to the best of my ability, which interestingly comes back to our previous point to start small. Mm. That, that again gives you the freedom to say, hey, I said I was going to do a 3K run and I did it. I feel satisfied and fulfilled. That is so such a better place to be than sitting there going, I only did 3Ks and my neighbor, he runs a marathon once a month. Like what's the purpose? What's the gain there? There is no gain in that comparison, is there? No, there's there's no gain. And I think talking about gain and how much gravity we put into the opinions of others and how that can negatively affect a lot of us. I'm also reminded of the fantastic story that Sir Ken Robinson breaks down in his book, The Element. Oh my gosh. You might remember the firefighter versus the, uh, the college professor, whereby this individual is recommended by his, uh, his tutor, his, his, uh, his professor, oh, don't go and do that. You should go and um, listen to me. Don't go your own path. Don't go and be a firefighter. You can aspire to be greater than that. But the student, the individual, he knew from a young age that that's exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to go out and be a firefighter. He wanted to dedicate his life to that. Fast forward a number of years, a decade, maybe two decades, he ends up saving that professor as a firefighter during a horrific car crash that he and his wife and his family have. And I think this is, again, maybe an extension, mic that I would pass on to an individual, a guest that's joined us on today's show, or a listener or a member who's looking to get inspired around Ikigai. If you are taking everything from other people, you're never going to have a chance to go and explore those areas, directions, challenges that you've got in your own mind. And actually what might happen is you end up making a huge positive difference, maybe even saving some lives through following that ambition, that target, that character trait that you wanted to go out and explore. I mean, I, exactly. that me. <laughs> I think that's a great, it's a great argument. Um, and what a, an incredible story that he ends up saving the teacher who actually encouraged mm. him not to be a fireman. And it shows you that everyone is unique. Their path to their own potential, their own greatness is unique as well. And look, if none of that convinced you, I would just say, don't devote energy to comparison. Devote the energy to being and doing what you Mm. need to get done today. Start small, measure yourself against your own goals. It's you who will sit in front of the mirror and knowing whether you put in a great effort today. You know, when it's late at night and it's time to go to bed, you're brushing your teeth, you look in that mirror. Did you give it a good go today? Did you work hard? Did you do your best? That's, that's ultimate accountability right there. You don't need to give that energy outside. Put it on yourself and you'll go places. I think the other way you can really go places, Mark, is jumping into Spotify or your Apple podcast app and leaving a rating or a review for our podcast because, man, I've heard that there is like good karma that comes from it. In fact, it's a lunar-powered good karma if you actually give a rating or a review to our podcast. I, I think what I believe took place, Mike, when we were all starting up listening to podcasts is how a little attention we paid to the ratings and the reviews of these podcasts. Really what I'm learning from the Ikigai process today is to free myself from the shackles that I don't believe in ratings and reviews for podcasts that I consume. I think you're totally right. If I think about how I'm consuming my podcasts, and this is my call out to you, our listeners and members, it's, it's, it's exactly this. It's opening up your Spotify or your Apple podcast app of choice, hitting that rating or review button if you're an Apple podcast and leaving us a little message and maybe even celebrating it with, you know, maybe, maybe five stars, you know, we'll, we'll leave that up to the, up to the listeners. But what we've noticed is how much of a positive impact that does make. That really does fit into the ikigai of creating something that we really, really love. That is our mission. That is our passion that we're putting out into the world. So any rating, any review 
that you, our listeners, can leave us goes a long, long way to getting the message of moonshots and learning out loud into the four corners of the globe. And as Mike said, you'll also get a lunar powered dose of good karma heading your way as well. So now you have that good karma coming to you. You've opened up the app, little star, little review. Now that you have got your mission complete, you're ready for the next step, which is the pursuit of harmony. Step number three, seek harmony and sustainability. It is no use finding your Rikigai if it does not bring harmony into your life and if it is not sustainable in the long run. Use the following questions as tools to find your Rikigai. Is this sustainable? Can this activity be sustained in the long run? Can you make a living from it? Is it going to keep your health? Think of Rikigai as an intersection of four different circles. What you love, what the world needs, what you're good at, and that that makes you earn enough money for your living. If you can find an activity that meets all these four qualities, then you found your reason for living. Now, Mike, we're getting into the details. Now we're getting into those four circles, or as it's known, the Venn diagram of Ikigai. This is is the, the, the business end of the season. This is where it all happens. You know, I, I would start this by saying that for a lot of our listeners and, and you and I perhaps as well, that the idea of having harmony in our life between everything that we need to do and our obligations feels a bit daunting, doesn't it? I mean, it feels and sounds almost impossible to try and get everything Ooh, to marry yeah. up together, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There seems like there's always so many competing interests between I want to work hard and really give of myself. I want to have impact. Uh, Mm. I want to have great relationships and I want to thrive. I want to have means and I need to build wealth. And uh, I mean, it's almost exhausting just thinking (laughs) about it. And you get get one going well and then all the the others fall over, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly, and and to build on on uh, that train of thought, you want to be you want to be hardworking. You want to have pride in the work that you're creating. At the same time, you want to create a family. You want to have time for your loved ones. You want to have time to pursue the hobbies in your life, whether it's running, swimming, or otherwise. Suddenly, when you start to ladder up, uh, all of that attention, all those mm-hmm. things that require attention and time. That's when it gets a little bit daunting, Mike. And you think, do I have time? How do people do this? How do those superheroes like Tom Brady make enough time in their day to go out and do this? Well, I mean, think about it. If the average person needs eight hours sleep, that's one third of the day is gone. (laughs) And then you have the other third is for work. So there's two thirds. So you got to get everything done in that other bit where you're like paying the bills, eating food, like all of a sudden. You, do, you see where I'm going here. So let's talk about this diagram. I want everyone to visualize four circles overlapping and each of them represent this balance and harmony that you'll find in Hector Garcia's book, Ikigai. And if you're really interested in checking this out, head over to our show notes. We'll have a link to the Ikigai diagram and that'll show you how that'll be helpful in guiding you through this conversation. But stick with us. For those of you who have just got the headphones on and maybe you're walking, running, commuting, tune in because we'll describe it to you. At the heart of this Ikigai framework is the intersection between four things. Here we go. It is doing what you love. That's number one. It's doing what you're good at. That's number two. What you can be paid for. That's number three. And the fourth is what the world needs. So you can see that the harmony that is found within Ikigai is when those four things, what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs, when all those things are working well together. Now, don't hold yourself to such a high level that you have to have this perfect harmony and vibration between all these things. Think of this as like worst case scenario, you know, what bit is, is not working. What bit is feeling a little bit out? Why you might feel a little bummed out, a little tired with life. 
Said differently, these areas uh, could be the intersection between what you're passionate about, what's your profession, what's your mission in life, and your vocation. Like, what are you going out there to provide the world? I think the interesting thing here is that this instantly mark works as a bit of a checklist. It kind of like, am I doing what I love? Am I doing something that I'm good at? Am I doing something that I can be paid for? And am I doing something that the world really needs? These Using it as a checklist, I think, is a very good practical way to like start entertaining or, or questioning or evaluating yourself. Mm. Am I, am I doing the right thing with life overall? What do you think of these questions? Like as a bit of a checklist, Mark, do, do you find it helpful to kind of check in and make sure you're on track? The, the key benefit that I see from this framework, what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for and what the world needs is it helps me understand and differentiate myself from the second clip that we heard today, which is around freeing yourself. And if I am in a position where I'm constantly bombarded with comparisons to other people and so on, this framework, which either I can work on in a Venn diagram, or maybe I use it as a structure when I'm approaching my journaling, approaching my reflection on Mm. an end of a year and what I want to go out and accomplish in the next year. It's going to be something that I can build around. This is the foundation and the structure that I can apply my thinking towards in order to Mm. have a little bit of um, a narrative that then helps me make sense. And what I think is so powerful about those four areas, those four um, considerations, is just how personal they are. If I was to ask let's say Matthew McConaughey, Tom Brady, what they love, what they're good at, what they can be paid for and what the world needs. It's going to be naturally very different to me. That's right. Which I find very, very empowering because suddenly I'm not looking at uh, writing, what am I good at? Well, I'm a great actor. Well, I'm I'm not. Therefore, I can disregard or uh, uh, stop comparing myself to those individuals who've become uh, great, let's say, Mm. through that potential method. If anything, I find that this Ikigai process is quite freeing. It really helps bring to life my uniqueness, doesn't it? I would say that there are some simple, recognizable signals in life, things that we can observe to know if we're on track. So let's try and make it personal and unique for each of our listeners and our members. And let's, let's brainstorm some, uh, what to go looking for in each of these four buckets. Are you ready, Mm. Mark? I'm ready. Okay. So let's start with, uh, identifying things that you're good at. Okay. Because we're going to try and look for the evidence that we're getting our purpose together. And the first is doing things that you're good at, right? Now, to me, I think something that I'm good at is when I do something that I feel when I am in the act of doing it, that it just feels very natural. And I notice that when I do it and I produce this thing or conduct this activity, I notice that for others, it's, it's much harder or it takes them longer. For example, I've always um, just had a natural uh, capacity to try and break down problems and ideas, and I'm very excited about it. And it seems insanely logical to me that when someone says, here's an idea, I'm like, how do I break it down? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I, I'm almost like, I got I to gotta put it into its component parts in order to understand it. That's just something that even when I was a very young kid, that just seem to come to me easier than others. There are plenty of things like math, finance that don't come naturally to me. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's when you just notice, oh, this just comes easier. It doesn't Mm. mean it's like easy, but it comes easier, more naturally. And I just notice that when others are doing the same thing, it seems to cost them a lot more time, energy, and, and effort. I think that's a really good way to 
look for something that you're good at, it just, it comes naturally, right? Yeah. And you just don't seem to have the uh, frustrations or the fear that maybe others have of doing that same thing. Are there any other signals you think, Mark, of identifying something you just, you know, naturally good at that just comes naturally? I think I, I totally, first of all, I totally agree with, with your insight there. The things that aren't, that are causing other people frustration, but actually you kind of enjoy or that you're good at is definitely um, a, a first step. I think what's been helpful for me as well is gathering feedback, getting feedback from- oh, yeah colleagues, uh, people, leaders, mentors, uh, and in, importantly, I think impartial individuals, mm. because then that helps me understand or notice things that perhaps I didn't really appreciate yeah. that through the, the busyness of life you put in the back of your mind, but actually your ability to maybe cope with something, maybe it's finding solutions, maybe it's being calm under pressure, those things that you're good at that perhaps you you don't actively notice, you can hear from others. Mm. And that I think is, is a great place to start as well. Going out and gathering that, that feedback, those reviews and making a note of what is said and then reflecting on what's been said against perhaps the things that you know that you're good yeah. at as well. I like that. That's a really good build. So there's two practical starting points for finding what you're good at. I think Let's move to the next bucket, the what you love. Mm-hmm. And I've got a really good way to, to know if you really love doing a thing, Mark. Okay. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I'm totally stealing this idea. It's you'd be happy to do something even if you weren't paid mm. to do it. Mm. When you, for example, when you notice that you're doing something on the weekend that is work-related, but it just draws you. You're just like, I really want to do that. Yeah. Um, You and I are often working on the show Mm -hmm. outside of work hours on the weekend because I love doing the show. Like I think that's the greatest tell that when you do something, whether you're paid or not, you're just drawn to it. That's a signal that you really, really love doing it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Something that you're willing to, to do without payment. I like that a lot um, because I think, again, there's that attachment to only doing things where you think you're getting something back from it. But right. actually what I think you're speaking to there is the enjoyment being so valuable, the passion that's coming through, that yeah. love, the, the area that you love. The, the, the build I would do on, on that would be something that you are willing to do despite it being a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. So for example, that might be going for a run in the rain. Maybe it's waking up at, uh, well, waking up before anybody else to go out and do that training. Maybe it's a swim. Maybe it's doing something that you don't have time to do in the rest of the day, but you know, you just want to do it because Mm. it'll put you in a good mood. I think that's the only build I can do there because you're totally right. Something that you can dedicate yourself to even on weekends and in your free time is something that you truly love. Totally. Now let's go to the third bucket. All right. So we got what you're good at, what you love. Next one is what the world needs. And Mark, I'm interested to know, how do you know that your contribution is actually, it it matters and it's important. Are there, are there any signals you think we can look for? I think this one's probably the hardest of the four from a traditional perspective because you've got the love, you've got what you're good at. What the world needs is obviously a little bit more outside of perhaps your own understanding. So I think the build and the focus that I would apply for this third circle, what the world needs, is reflecting with others, I think. I think it's writing down and thinking, how can I help people? What can I do that is an intersection perhaps with what I love that makes people maybe feel better? So when I'm out about in my day, how am I influencing those individuals, maybe on the bus, maybe on the street? How am I helping them have an okay day? Am I smiling at them? Am I making them laugh? What in a small way, and intentionally, Mike, I'm going quite small here, you know, what the world needs. Let's go back to step one for Ikigai. Let's start small before we go 
and talk about world peace. (laughs) Just simple things that maybe I reflect on a dog walk that I can see how I interact with others and, and doing so start to understand, okay, well that me being grumpy, that doesn't help them. That doesn't help them have a nice day. What they Mm. need is, is a good day like me. There's Mm. probably somebody on the other end of a meeting or somebody in on the street on the other side of the road might be doing the same as me, trying to figure out their own ikigai, their own reason for being. So having a little bit of patience and uh, let's say humor when it comes to this third circle, I think is, is quite valuable. What about you? I think that the, to know what the world needs, there are some simple things, which is if you're a business, return customers. I mean, that shows you you're doing something right. <laughs> you mm. know, like if people come back a second time, I think that's a, that's a great signal. More deliberate expressions, I would say if you take the, the show for, as, as an example, which is the unaided, unprompted, feedback that we get. For example, um, last week we got uh, Daily Doughboy uh, from the US, went into our back catalog, listened to a Frank Lloyd Wright show and wrote us a really fantastic review. That that fuels me. That, that reminds me, oh, a show from over a year ago, someone deeply appreciated so much so that they wrote uh, feedback. I think that's a great way to know that the world needs something like this. Or if you do something, if you conduct an activity or work with someone and you can tell there is on their side gratitude, satisfaction, fulfillment, or just a smile, these are all little bits of evidence that what you're doing really, really matters to the world. All right, Mark, number four, what you can be paid for. So to To me, I think whilst this might appear somewhat transactional, like can you offer a service or a product, can you get a a job, a career, a project, whatever it is, but I actually think like to take this to the highest order, this idea of what you can be paid for, is about finding the greatest value in what you do Mm. and capturing the value. For example, someone might be, have some great thoughts um, and they, put, they might choose to give a speech, but could they write a book? Could they do a television series? Could they create an academy? Like to me, these are all concentric circles around what you can be paid for. And I think where we find real um, fulfillment as individuals is way beyond like this idea of being rich and having a fancy car and a fancy house. I think it's when we feel that what we've given to the world is fairly and justly compensated back to Mm. us. Mm. So I think a lot of people um, suffer from the inequities of feeling like they contribute a lot, but they don't get a lot back. I mean, think about all the bitterness you hear people talking about on a Friday night after work. <laughs> I do all of this and I'm paid peanuts, right? Yes, yes. So I want to go beyond like, do you get a paycheck, yes or no? I'm like, do you feel valued? Do you capture enough of the value that you've created? And I think that having the capacity to be fairly compensated for the value that you've created, I think that's it really at the heart of what Ikigai is, is doing. And the build and, the, and what I want to get your feedback on, Mike, I think it becomes much easier to get paid when you're doing something that you love, that you're good at, that the world needs. Getting paid for it just got a whole lot easier, right? Slam dunk. I totally agree. I think if I'm identifying that fourth circle, what I can be paid for, it needs to be personal. So again, going back to this idea of comparing yourself to others. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Mike, I could go and get paid to be an actor. Uh, you know, if I, if I was Mike, uh, Matthew McConaughey, but I'm not Matthew McConaughey. So instead this idea of effort and what you can be paid for, I think needs to be sustainable. And in order to 
understand and fill out that, that particular uh, area of the Venn diagram, I think you're totally right. You need to work through all four of these concentric circles. And in doing so, maybe more than once, it gets richer and richer. Mm-hmm. You start realizing, well, what can I be paid for? Oh, well, the work I'm doing that is pretty good is uh, maybe working with others. It's collaboration. Okay, well, what do I love? Well, yeah, it's talking to others. It's creating products that the world needs. What can I be paid for? Well, it's working with others. And then you start to see this Mm -hmm. uh, repeating reassurance, I think the word might be, this purpose that continually feeds into what I can be paid for is something that I'm good at. Mm. And what I'm good at is something that I love. And suddenly, as we were hearing from Saiti, as well as the work of Hector Garcia, you're starting to really understand that delight, I think it's the word, that can come from landing in that sweet spot, don't you think? I would say I would build on that, Mark, and say it's about three letters, J-O-Y, and Mm. we've got a great clip that explains if we get these things working for us, if we deal with these four questions, then at the end of the rainbow is joy. The fourth step is not to condition your happiness to the fulfillment of great goals. One mistake that many people make when they're designing life plans is to set up grandiose projects and condition their happiness to the fulfillment of these projects. For example, let's say that one of your big goals is to complete a postgraduate degree. Very nice. This can be an arduous task that will take years of dedication and study. If you only allow yourself to joy when you graduate, you're going to have years of suffering for just a few moments of joy. (laughs) Because soon after conquering your graduation, you soon will start looking for other goals. Your joy will pass and you'll set new and greater goals to which you again condition your happiness one more time. This is an endless cycle. There is a smarter way to live your life. Learn to have joy in the little things. Have joy every time you have to sit down to study for the tasks in your postgraduate program. Be happy with every little mistake that you make when you're writing your final paper. Be joyful even when you find yourself conditioning your own happiness to the fulfillment of a goal. Our life has so many ordinary moments more than great moments. If you only allow yourself to joy when you accomplish great deeds, you're condemning yourself to a life full of dissatisfaction and just a few moments of happiness. Life is full of ordinary moments. I I really like that. (laughs) Yeah. And I just had like this big bell ringing in my head then. Yeah. Growth mindset. It really is speaking to growth mindset, isn't it? Embracing those small mistakes that you make as you're making that paper, the obstacles you run into. Yeah, like it's like, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, good that I did that because I don't have to do it again. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I know not to do that another time, right? Rather than bad, 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 Mark, bad, Mike. This is again speaking to uh, our first show in the in our current series on Japan with Marie Kondo, isn't it, Mike? Mm. Finding joy in the things that you are perhaps conditioned either consciously or subconsciously to dislike with Marie Kondo, obviously organization, cleaning, keeping an ordered desk. When you, and and Mike, actually, I must admit, I have spent the last week sorting out my office. It's minimalist versus where it was in the last show. (laughs) And the reason why I share that is because it has actually brought me quite a lot of joy. It has brought me a level of calmness and serenity and that build that we just heard from Saiti, finding joy in those little things is something we can take ownership of, we can celebrate. And when we then reflect upon what we heard in the third clip, with those four concentric circles in the Venn diagram, the joy comes from starting to understand and appreciate the things that help you get out of bed in the morning, the things that you do really, really mm-hmm. enjoy and the things that you can provide to you know, people in the world that have value. I mean, this, this one for me is, is a big aha moment, Mike. How are you interpreting that fourth step, this fourth clip that we've heard in today's show? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we got our Venn diagram of Ikigai working well, which gives us the capacity to experience joy. And it kind of comes back to the first clip, which is starting small and the little things. But if we expand upon that, what we're really talking about is enjoying the ups and downs and knowing that it's part of a process. And when you have 
those bigger questions about what the world needs and what you love and all that kind of thing, it affords you the luxury of having a bit of a giggle, a bit of a laugh at yourself when things aren't quite working. Or if you get really into it from a growth mindset, knowing that it's tough and it's hurting and you're even in sometimes suffering, but for the right things, huge amounts of purpose fulfillment, feeling proud of yourself for putting in the work and getting through the problems. If you, if you get on the other side of this harmony, it's not only the, the joy, I think there's a level of mindfulness that comes with that. And that kind of really brings us to the last step of Ikigai, which is being in the here and now. Finally, learn to be in the present moment. Learn to enjoy the whole journey and not just the final goal, the ultimate goal. Right now, just as you're here with me, are you enjoying the journey? Or are you thinking that you're not one of those lucky people who can find a great purpose, a great living reason? Many Eastern philosophies warn us about the risk of abandoning the now, failing to live in the present moment. And when we focus on desire, when our focus is on what we want or what we don't want, we're no longer living in the now. And so we open the door to suffering. The reason we suffer is the untimely desire, the habit of always wanting to anticipate the future, wanting more and more, or remembering the past without ever enjoying the present moment. If we are never satisfied with the present moment right now, we're always wanting something else. And this is the main cause of suffering. If we are present, living the present moment completely, there would be no wanting or not wanting. We'll just be in fullness. Oh, Mike, suddenly we're getting into, in that last clip, a treasure trove of moonshots, mm. insights, moonshots individuals. Two people that immediately come to mind is obviously Eckhart Tolle with The Power of Now, but also Victory Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, yeah. this idea of being in the moment, uh, enjoying or at least appreciating the journey that you're going on, the highs, or more importantly, perhaps those lows as well, all ladder up towards carving out your character, don't they? The things that mm. you seek out in your life, the things that you share with others, the stories you tell, as well as the things that motivate you to go out and create products, create experiences for others and, and build in the world. I mean, what, a, what an interesting extension and reminder of how important it is that we need to be present and enjoy well, just think about it now your house is tidy now your mind body and soul will be tidy and in good order mark and that's all thanks to the wonders of uh japan and in this case of ikigai so my question for you is what is the job to be done now what is the homework assignment for yourself good grief all five steps are <laughs> intrinsically linked. Aren't uh, they? Aren't they? <laughs> I think for me, I'm going to choose the joy in little things. I know it's a little bit familiar uh, because of last week's show as well, but I really like this idea of appreciation and gratitude hmm. in the moments that uh, don't just exist in the final culmination. Yes. So I, I love that Saiti story of the graduate Celebrating those moments, no matter whether they are um, uh, quick or uh, long-winded, I think that for me is is the takeaway for today. What about you? Which of those five important steps are you really going to reflect on? Well, I'm definitely going to do uh, enjoy the practice of just being in the moment and mm. experiencing that joy. I, I love that, Mark. So I'm with you on that one. I would say probably navigating the harmony and the sustainability is probably where I've got mm. to do my greatest work and, you know, making sure that I serve those four quadrants, get that Venn diagram uh, spinning in the right way. I think that's where I can do some work. So I've got that diagram and you two can have it at, uh, at the show notes on moonshots.io if, if our listeners are keen to go deeper. We referenced a ton of books, though. I mean, <laughs> Eckhart Tolle, Carol Dweck, Elizabeth Gilbert. Ah, the list goes on and on and on. So you can find shows on each of those at moonshots.io as well. 
But Mark, I just want to say thank you to you for joining me on this journey uh, into Ikigai, a book by Hector Garcia for show 215. And a special thank you to our members and listeners too. We came together to study this great practice of finding purpose called Ikigai. And thanks to Hector Garcia, we had five very simple yet very important steps. Start small, free yourself, seek harmony and sustainability. Have joy in the little things. And lastly, be here and be now. These are great thoughts, great steps to take on the pursuit of learning out loud together, of being the best version of yourself. And of course, that's exactly what we're about here on the Moonshots podcast. Okay, that's a wrap.